You're listening to Brick to the Future, the property investment show for everyday Australians. We cut through the white noise so you can minimise risk and make smart, informed investment decisions. If you're after tips and strategies while building a property portfolio that suits your lifestyle, you're in the right place. Oh, welcome back. I'm here with uh, Matt Lewison, Cam McClellan here. Matt, how are you? Good, Cam. Good to be here. Beautiful. I've got a ripping topic today, um, something that uh, I'm very passionate about and I think people get very confused when they think about income and wealth and that is what is sustainable financial independence? I know something you're very passionate about and you've got quite a, a clear view, a crystal clear clarity view of this. You're, you're looking through a glass bottom vote. The reef's looking good and you know exactly what you, you need to achieve. I think it's pretty murky waters for a lot of people out there. Uh, so I wanted to go through that. So I want to look at um, you know why this looks different for different people. Um, I want to talk about how hard it is to achieve. And one thing that uh, Abby in our office she often um, talks about is the three legs of the stool. So you know income, spending, and investments. So I want to go through the concept of that. So what is financial uh, independence? But more importantly, sustainable financial independence because I think people don't understand the real concept of it. Well, Cam, I think you've just blown a lot of minds there by adding that word sustainable financial independence. Is, uh, it's, it completely changes the ballgame, doesn't it? And yeah. I think a lot of people probably have this perception of financial independence or financial security as just being wealthy. Mm. And, I mean, maybe 30, 40 years ago, if you had a lot of equity, um, whether that's through shares or property or whatever, you might be able to use that equity through drawing on debt, um, and it's a lot harder these days to do that. Um, but ultimately, I mean, financial security means like providing for your family, being secure, all, all that sort of stuff, doesn't it? Like in, um, not just having on paper a heap of wealth. Um, Correct. So, yeah, I mean, it's something we, we talk about a lot, and I remember back when we were starting our journey um, that we kind of had this goal of being financially independent um, and I, I kind of didn't really know what it meant. I guess meant calling our own shots. I mean, what was your view back in those days? Of yes, like- I remember distinctly having long conversations day in, day out with your brother on the phone, Al, um, and we we talked about and we looked at a lot of different business models and our goal was to get, um, and literally we were kids then, like in our early 20s, and we talked about getting $1,000 a week passive income and that would have meant we're talking about, I think I had a... Um, an annual income of 22 grand a year back then. So a thousand bucks a week was more than enough money that I could live off. And that would, but it needed to be passive and it needed to be sustainable. So we had the concept of what it was then. And I think many property investors and investors get confused about gathering assets as opposed to sustainable financial independence. Yeah. And there's this, um, have, you, have you heard of FIRE, the FIRE movement? Uh, the fire party that um, went pear-shaped on that island. That, uh, that's a ripping doco on Netflix. You should watch that. Uh, no. So, there's this, uh, so there is this movement called Financially Independent fin- Retire Early Fire. Right. And it's a, a group of people uh, or people who, are, I guess, follow the, the fire movement, often in their 20s, just absolutely save like mad spend nothing so live really frugally um yep. and like i'm picturing two minute noodles um yep. but like home brand two minute noodles because they don't spend the money on magic real minimalist 
for like five, seven years, getting to a point where they can then say, I'm out. And they might only have like 300 grand in the bank at this stage, but they've gotten used to living on like $10,000 a year. So in yeah, in this movement, they're saying, well, I, I can live for 30 years on my yep. 10,000. But it's it's a completely like the frugality required to do it. I mean, it takes a very um, committed person. Yeah. Couldn't imagine having a lot of enjoyment in life if you kind of in your 20s committed to living on like bare bones for the rest of your life. Well, I think my my brother's a good example. Um, so Rob built a sustain um substantial property portfolio over here, as you know. Um, and Marissa, who's uh an Australian Thai, they um decided to move over to Thailand. Now, Rob's not the sort of guy who will go and buy a bar there and be, you know, um follow the standard. Australians move to Thailand scenario. He's, you know, he's pretty um, in depth with the culture over there. They're living out on you know, a farm. They're, they're they're farming rubber and those sort of things at the moment. But he worked out over there. They can live very comfortably. Um, they can buy a house for twenty five grand, and which they've bought, bought a couple of houses. They bought farms, but they can live on about twelve grand a year. So yeah. that was a, a, a similar um, concept, yeah. which is staggering. He's he's now obviously working remotely. For an Australian company um, back here, earning about sixty grand, so he's absolutely killing it as far as you know income versus expenses go. Yeah, but that's not for everybody, is it? And I guess no, that's correct. Correct. with financial security that there's not like a water like it's not like you can put a mark on the wall and say when I get to that I'm financially independent because as you get closer to it, generally your expenses go up. The further into it, like you you have kids, you. Um, you yeah, you, you might buy different cars, you buy a bigger house, yeah. all those things, even though you might be on an investment journey. So so we, um, I guess we unpacked it a while back and started to go, well, what is there levels of financial security and what level, like it's obviously for us yeah. that we're trying to work out, like what level is, where, where do we want to get to? And I, I'll just run through what we had in the paper, which was um, like step one was becoming partially well, achieving partial financial security, which means having enough passive income and savings to cover the essential costs of living and still have enough money in my bank account that if I took a 12-month break from work or if I lost a job, I mean, I'm not out of my ass. So that's kind of, that's like a bit of a security blanket, isn't it? When people get to that point and just go, look, I've got, whether it's enough savings or passive income that even though my expenses, I can't completely cover all of my expenses forever, I'm not going to erode it in three days and yeah. be waiting in the dole queue um, yeah. for so next paycheck. So you've got the balance there to just the minimal point where you can start to call it some sort of independence. And, and the reason we, I guess, call that partial independence is that you, you do have, like it allows people to make more decisions for the, their life, doesn't it? If somebody's in a job that they're not enjoying, um, if you're not, if you don't have partial financial security, it's pretty scary. Oh, well, I'm just going to probably stick this out because... I, I can't afford to not have an income for even three or four weeks. So yeah, I would say the the benchmark is you need to get to a point where you've got twelve months that you can get by. Yep. Um, then we go from partial financial security to basic financial security, and that means that your passive income can cover all of your costs indefinitely. So yep. basically, you're you you're breaking even almost. So yep. you. You're not growing your wealth, but you're not getting, you're not becoming worse off. You could kind of just maintain that level. Yep. Definitely. 
Um, I guess the downside of basic financial independence is that if costs go up faster than your income can go up, like yeah. then you're obviously your living standards are going to deteriorate at some point in time. Or if you have a bit of a, I guess, a shock, like a financial event, yeah. Um, whether that's something's happened, you your house burned down or something, whatever, and you weren't insured or you had an accident, you got sued. Yeah. Um, you, that's going to mean that you may no longer be achieving that basic financial security because it's going to eat into your 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 nest egg or the assets yeah. um, that you're drawing an income from. So that's that's like step two. I think that's still a pretty, that was for us like a pretty good one to get to because you go up great. Um, Once you reach there, you're feeling feeling a lot better for yeah. sure. And then the the ultimate one. I mean, and obviously there's some people who might go on to be a billionaire, but that at a certain point. Growing your wealth stops making sense for achieving what you started to set out for, and it becomes more about your ego, right? But the the third level and the ultimate level of financial security we call complete financial security, which is that you could stop working and you have enough assets that they're going up in value faster than you could spend money. So you're continuing to save money even if you're not working. And yeah. when you get to that point, when you're income will keep growing faster than your expenses could, you'll never run out of money. Yep. So that's that's pretty much the ultimate goal um, that we believe all investors aspire to. Um, and, yeah, that mark is obviously going to be different for different people depending on what are their fixed costs that they've got, where do they live, what city, what what can they, what do you say, the, drive the cheapest car your, your ego can handle. So I guess how big their ego is is going to dictate where the – I that think that's a really good point to looking at it for different people. Though the three categories that we came up with, you know, and you outlined in the paper when we presented to the board, and we had our own internal discussions with our um, senior management team. Um, it looks very different for different people. And if I go back to the point I made when you asked earlier, when I first started thinking about it, it was when you know Al, your brother, and I started talking about it twenty-seven years ago or whatever it was. When we started uh, thinking about investment. Um, that thousand dollars a week. Once I know when I went from a, a base pay of twenty two grand a year to a hundred grand a year, I didn't save anymore. I started spending more. You know, and that's just the natural way Australians work. You know, we're just not savers. So what happened was my expenses started going up, and I became comfortable with that higher level of expense. So it's a good point you made that um, you know minimalizing your expenses and finding and really rethinking. About what you're comfortable living on um, because once you reset that benchmark, um, you're then sustainable financial independence and basic financial independence become more attainable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and having a game plan. I mean, some people might get there by accident uh, and not realise that they were working towards that and then all of a sudden they're, wow, look at this. Um, but it, it's pretty rare for that to, to happen and it might happen because an inheritance, I mean, nobody, that can't be your game plan. Yeah. Um, or if you had a business that just shot the lights out um, and all of a sudden you could sell that or convert that to money or at least have a business set up in a way that will never run out of money. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but for the vast majority, you need to have a game plan, don't you? And I think, um, I mean, I think the game plan starts with actually having a savings mentality um, and it doesn't mean to live like the fire Um like people in that fire movement do, but um, but nobody, I mean, nobody's going very, 
it would be extremely difficult to get to a complete financial security by saving your way there. No, I think it's I think it's absolutely impossible to get there because absolutely. because there's no it is impossible because then you need it, it gets the equation of the amount you've saved divided by the amount of years you're left um, to live, and hopefully you don't live any longer, yeah. and you don't or you don't spend anymore or expenses yeah. don't go up anymore. Absolutely. Um, so so saving your way there pretty much impossible. But I don't know anybody who has started without saving first. Correct. Yeah. Well, the the only way you can start investing is to have some money. So the old adage, you need money to make money, 100% true. It doesn't need to be a large amount of money to start with. You don't need to be gifted a million dollars to be a schoolionaire. Um, so just um, briefly, I want to go into um, depth and maybe we may not be able to cover all of this today, um, but maybe just um, if you outline what Abby was talking about or what she talks about with um, you know, the three legs of the stool as far as your income spending and expenses, just so people really understand how you can combine investments with income um, in, a, in a general term. And then maybe um, we, we might break this into part two and we'll get into, you know, into a bit more depth about how people can set up and get their way there. All right. So there's three, as I said, there's three things. Um, so I'll do them in a slightly different order. So Absolutely. number one, as I said, you've got to be able to grow your bank account to get into the market, to, to be able to start investing. So yeah, it needs to be a savings mentality. What's savings? Savings is earning more than you spend. Yeah. So that's as simple as it is. If you can earn more than you spend, then you're going to be saving money. Yeah. Um, so that means, obviously, if you can reduce how much you spend, you'll save faster. Or if you can grow your earnings, um, work hard for taking on a few different jobs if you need to. I know so many people, yourself included, Cam, who had multiple incomes, like using your time and your effort and energy to yeah. create an income so that you could then invest. And obviously, you didn't have to continue working at that same pace forever. Yeah. Um, but at least it got you... Um, got you on the board. And I guess the one benefit of that, well, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do it, but the one benefit of that was the more you were working, the less you were out spending. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, one day sitting in, uh, I was sharing a, a, um, an apartment down in Elwood with um, five other guys. So it was, it was a decent, decent place. Uh, it was actually a house. But um, with um, one of my um, good friends I grew up with, Bruce was there and we we're living there with some other guys. And I went and put on my um, my shirt and pants and Bruce goes, what are you doing, mate? So I'm off to work. He goes, you go into your forklift job. I was like, I was that delirious from working day and night shift, day and night shift and basically having four hours sleep in between that I put started to put on the wrong gear to go to the job. So um, people underestimate how much you need to work at those early years and do everything possible to build that base level of savings. Yeah, spot on. And there's something else you just touched on because you also touched on like smart decision that you made to reduce your costs. I did the same thing yeah. when I moved out of home and I started investing when I was um, living rent-free at home, uh, which certainly made it easier to save. Um, but once I moved out, I shared with four other or three other guys that I met yeah. through a footy, footy club that I was playing at. Um, so we only had to pay a quarter of the house's rent ourselves. You yeah. shared with mates as well. Yeah, I did it for more for a party reason rather than savings, but yes, it definitely helped. <laughs> well, even the even the drinks that you choose, like whether you drink a get a slab of beer versus a few bottles yeah. of spirits at the nightclub, would be a bit different. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's about making smart choices about your um, expenses. It doesn't mean that you can't have a life and enjoy um, right. a good time, but you 
you're just choosing different options. Yeah. Um, oh, I never, I never went to a cafe. I, I think I was yeah. 25 before the first time I went in and ate in a cafe. It was just a stand of me. And the, the small things that um, when sliced cheese came out, so that's the most ridiculous thing ever, doubling the price of cheese because you get it sliced over buying it as a block and cutting it myself. That, that's how frugal I was at making sure I was saving every cent. Um, it's not the case they now. Don't have, they don't have those blocks at words anymore. <laughs> I know. It's, it's all packaged. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit off track and a little bit. No, that's all right. Depth, so. So, so I guess they're the, they're the three ingredients, aren't they? Like, yeah. So you got to be able to – so saving, which is earning money and reducing your costs or managing your costs. Yep. But once you save, then you need to be able to, to invest. Um, and then it's about choosing what you're investing in. Um, and – once you're investing, then you're, yeah, I guess, understanding what the goal of your investment journey is. And if your goal is the income, which certainly for me, my goal in investing is generating an income that exceeds all of my expenses and always will. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to start investing for income um, because Correct. when you start investing, um, like you want to grow your asset base really quickly. And that doesn't often correlate with the um, the investments that might generate an income for you. Yeah, and I think that's what we've um, talked about. Michael Beresford, one of the Director of Investment Services of OpenCorp, often talks to these clients about um, the acquisition phase, so building that base portfolio as fast as possible, consolidation phase where you sit there and let it you know, double in value and then the transition to retirement, which is what we want to get into as far as Turning those asset-based wealth into income-based wealth, Louis. I think we've uh, we've we've opened the can here a little bit today, but and uh, we don't have much more time. So if we left it there, but um, I want to uh, do a follow-up part two of this one if we can, because I'd love to delve more deeply into how to set up and achieve sustainable financial independence. You know what's involved along the way and um, to manage um, your, your investments and um, really talk into that exit strategy. Um, because beginners really need to talk about the and consider the exit strategy before they start investing, um, and we can uh, evolve a few tips and tricks that you used along the way and go from there. Awesome, thanks, Cam. Cheers, mate. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to Brick to the Future, powered by OpenCorp, Australia's leading property investment specialists. For more information on how we can help you build your financial future, contact us at opencorp.com.au.